The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening if you love sports and true crime then there's a new podcast from executive producer dan patrick and hosted by me jay harris that you won't want to miss playing dirty sports scandals each week i'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever i'm talking marcus dixon olympic gymnastics kane velasquez salacious super bowl level scandals Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to The Fast Track, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hello and welcome to The Fast Track. I'm your host, Scott Benjamin, and today I've got a a special guest in the studio. It's my producer, Kurt. Hey guys, I'm always in the studio, but usually I'm sitting across there, so it's interesting to be on this side of the table. You know what, I have found that, uh, as you've heard in the past, I've had a little trouble like just kind of carrying on this monologue, and uh, it's much better to be able to talk to somebody and have somebody to kind of bounce things off of, and I think that Kurt is uh, somebody that I can talk to, and and, uh, we can really get some information out in a lot better way. you know, like back when I had a podcast partner, it seemed like it was a lot easier. And hopefully with Kurt here across the table from me, I'll be able to uh, do that a little bit more effectively and have a, a much better show for you. And hopefully it's a little bit more entertaining. And uh, I'll tell you, in the last few years, I've been more and more of a fan of the sedan. And I didn't think that I would be early days. You know, there's a lot of times in, in life when you have different choices with with automobiles. And when I was younger, I really liked the coupes. I liked to uh, you know, like buy the sports cars, I guess, maybe like the, the Honda Civic Si, that kind of oh, thing. Yeah. Or, but I also had a Toyota Celica GT that was a two-door coupe as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was kind of fun to drive for a while. But I did eventually kind of come around to the idea that I needed a sedan. And that was when I had a kid for the first time. But actually, of, of all things, I got an Audi A4. And I really, really enjoyed that car. It was a ton of fun. I held it for a long time. And uh, it eventually required many, many repairs <laughs> yeah. in one year. And that was uh, kind of the downfall of the whole thing. But as far as sedans went, that was a fantastic way for me to kind of put both my feet in the water and get excited about sedans because it was a great car. It was fantastic to drive. It was, a, it was an all-wheel drive car. It was a manual transmission, five-speed. Uh, it was a long time ago. It was about 1999, I think, is when I got it. And it was a 99. I think I got it around 2001, maybe. So a couple years old. And I really enjoyed it. I, I drove it for many, many years. I went right from that into another coupe. And then I, I, you know, kind of a hot hatchback, I guess, maybe a Civic Si. I had a 98 Civic hatchback. It was just a, it was a basic. Sure. Uh, the basic, but, but I loved it. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're fun to drive, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's yeah. a blast. And you can squeeze you know, into I, the gaps real easy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I ended up driving my Civic SI for a long time. And I got rid of that and I got a Volkswagen CC. Now, the, the funny thing about this is that I didn't think that I was going to get another sedan for a long time. I mean, I have uh, an, an adult child. She's, uh, she's almost 18, you know, ready to go into college and everything. But I've had this for a little while now. So I did need a backseat. I needed some extra space for people. I needed to be able to carry some friends around or whatever and, and just have the room for carrying some things on the weekends, that kind of thing. And, uh, and a sedan seemed to be the way to go. But I didn't have a whole lot of money to buy, like, a performance sedan. I didn't have a lot of money for, like, a luxury sedan or anything like that. And I'll tell you, my, my it's again, it's a Volkswagen CC. It's a 2012 and it's kind of in between, and it's a, it's a funny thing. I've I've thought about this many many times while I'm driving it. It's not quite luxury. It's not quite sport. CC oddly enough stands for comfort coupe, mm-hmm. which is weird because it's a four door car. Yeah. I don't know why they called it comfort coupe, but it, the CC sedan is fantastic, and I love it. The only problem that I've ever had with this whole thing is that. The car just doesn't seem to want to drive in hot weather. Now, here's the problem. Yeah, like we live in Atlanta, and yesterday, this is uh, early September in Atlanta, the temperature gauge on my car on the way home yesterday read 101 degrees. Yeah, it was and a hot one. It's humid, hot. Uh, we've got hurricanes nearby. I don't know what the deal is with this whole thing. The fuel pump overheats. It shuts down. It's just a it's a disaster in that way. But I do have a good time driving this car, and it, it's something that I didn't think that I would ever really enjoy driving. Like, I didn't think I would really enjoy driving a sedan, but I do. There are many choices out there. And later today in the show, we're going to talk about some of the most powerful sedans under $50,000. Now, I know there's a lot of qualifiers in there, and we're, we're going to talk about that, but I chose to pick for today's list the most powerful sedans under $50,000, and there's a reason I chose that price point, and we'll talk about that in just a bit, but there's a, there's a few news things that I want to get to. Uh, there's a couple things that happened over the weekend, and actually, I'm going to start off with some news that's not good news. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about is the, uh, the death of Jesse Combs. She was uh, attempting to land speed record. I think it was in the desert somewhere, right? Wasn't it? It was out west. I think it was in uh, the Alvord Desert in yeah, Oregon. Some, yeah, yeah, exactly. She was out far, far out west somewhere. She was attempting to reach something like a, like six hundred and nineteen miles per hour in like a rocket powered car. She was already the fastest woman on four wheels. Yes, already. Yes. Um, she was the uh, host for a short time for. Mythbusters, Overhauling, um, Extreme 4x4. There was a bunch of uh, um, television shows. And if you look up a photo of Jesse Combs, you would probably recognize her almost immediately, I would think. I mean, a lot of people that are listening to this show are, you know, kind of fans of that type of thing, and they already know who she is. Tragic death, of course. She was about 39 years old, or mm-hmm. she was 39 years old uh, when this happened. And uh, again, that pursuit of speed, you know, we just did a, it's very timely, yes. I guess, because we were just talking about the Thrust mm-hmm. SSC supersonic car mm-hmm. and the ultimate record that it had, which was what, like 763 or something yeah, like something that. Something insane. crazy like that. Yeah, it was, a, it was an insane speed. It was above the sound barrier. Yeah, we were just talking about that. And then there was another death this weekend um, in something that, you know, I had talked about on Tech Stuff. I had talked with uh, Jonathan Strickland on Tech Stuff about Formula 2, and uh, there's a guy named Antoine Hubert, 
and he was only 22 years old. He's a Formula 2 driver. He's a French driver. Also passed away on this weekend, and it's relatively unheard of. It doesn't, it doesn't happen all that often because there's so many safety features in place in Formula 1, Formula 2, Formula... All, all of the racing series, actually, the FIA series, uh, where they are involved in an accident that generally the driver is very well protected. This, in this case, uh, the car was actually severed in two. And it was a, a extremely high speed crash, and uh, and we'll talk about Formula Two, I'm sure, in the future. And the third bit of news, this is a little bit of a happier news. So uh, let's uh, let's kind of cheer up a little bit. This is really cool. This is this happened only a few days ago, and I don't know if you even know about this, but the Bugatti, and I'm going to get this name right this time, Chiron, achieved the fastest production car speed record ever, and get this. 304 miles per hour. 300, wow. 304.77 miles per hour. So they've they've kind of like bridged this mythical, and I'll say mythical. It's not really mythical because people have been doing it on the uh, on the salt flats for a long, long time. But as far as like just on a on a road crossing the 300 mile per hour barrier is incredible. It's it's just like a, it's an unbelievable feat, really. Yeah. And manufacturers have been trying to do this for a long, long time. And, of course, Kona Seg, there's going to be many, many other manufacturers that are going to attempt to break this, of, of course. Mm-hmm. Hennessy is going to try to break it. And, uh, and I'm sure that you know, somebody will break this record. And here's the strange thing. And I'm going to tell you a few interesting little facts about this, the speed record, if you don't mind. If you, uh, can I just, like... Of course. Say a few things Please without. Do. Okay, all Please right. Do. Without, without, uh, like. Now, is this a, considered a production car? Okay, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Okay, I'm, I'm actually really glad you said that because that's one big part of this whole thing, is that they claim it's a production car, but it's like an early production version of a specialty car that they're producing. Like, of course, Bugatti is, they, they produce like these, um, I, I almost want to say it's like boutique sports cars, really. Yeah. Because they only produce a certain amount, and they're, you know, valued at $3 million, something like that. It's a very, very expensive car. And this particular car is like an early production version that has several modifications. And I have a little bit of problem with this, as do a lot of people that I've read about in some of the forums. And it seems like the, the Chiron that they, they tested uh, just a few days ago, again, it was like it was stretched one foot. Like the, uh, the whole frame was stretched one foot, so the bodywork is all stretched out. It's like okay. a um, consider it like a long tail version of the Chiron. Okay. And then it was lowered. They also drilled some holes in the uh, panels, I guess, like the front fascia, so that you know, like the the airflow was a little bit better through it because. Mm-hmm. Here, okay, well, we're getting into some of the uh, the interesting parts of this, I guess, and we'll just start here. When a a typical jet aircraft takes off, like if you're on, you know, you're going to Miami. Let's mm-hmm. say you're going to Miami. Yes. You're in a jet aircraft, Delta, whatever. You get in the airplane, uh, about 150 miles per hour, that's where the airplane takes off. That's when it can achieve flight. Uh, okay, a lot of people drive 150 miles an hour, right? and cars sure. can do that, right? The problem is about that speed, of course, that's where lift happens. You're able to you're able to take off. And the problem with a car like this is that that car might take off. And it it's a true thing. It, like it might take off. We've seen that in racing many, many times on racetracks where cars are, you know, going over a, a, just a slight bump, a slight increase in in uh, altitude, and the air the the, the car uh, just air comes underneath the vehicle, mm-hmm. lifts it up, car flips in the air, and it might end up in the woods somewhere or something like that. We've seen that in the past. The problem with this car is that you're going twice that speed. 
You're going twice the speed of a typical aircraft when it takes off. And the way they did this was, I guess they, uh, I should tell you where they did this. I think it's called the Era Lesson track in Germany. And it's Volkswagen's high-speed test track. And it's the one that has like, a, you know, high-speed banks on both the, the entry and the exit to this track as well. Mm-hmm. So you're able to go into it fast and come out of it fast. But in the middle, there's this incredible, I think it's 5.4 miles long that it's a straight track. And you can actually see the curvature of the earth in the this track. It's that long. It's it's like that long, that straight. I think I've seen footage of that in the past. Yeah, yeah just, you probably have because yeah. um, um, Top Gear infamously yes. did a top speed record run with the Bugatti Veyron that was, what, 268 miles per hour. Yeah, that, okay, that's so probably now, it. So now they've topped that by, uh, what, 37 miles per hour, something like that. They've, yeah. gone, they've gone faster than than ever before on the same track. And uh, again, this is one of the advantages that, that Bugatti and Volkswagen have over the other manufacturers and that they can test on this track and, and do this kind of thing. Yeah, and tweak the car to perform on this particular landscape. It, exactly. Yeah, they're not they're not allowing Koenigsegg or, you know, a, um, Hennessy or anybody to come on and test their car on that type of track. And the problem that I've read about, oh, gosh, I'm going all over the place. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a disaster today, but um, they are... Uh, <laughs> That's exciting news. Three, well, it is. 300 miles an I, hour. I'm, is, I'm is, like, I'm jazzed about this. You could tell I'm excited about this. Yeah. So, like, thing is, like, the car is able to go that fast because of the facility that they have, mm-hmm. and they're allowed to do this type of thing. Any manufacturer that is going to do this type of thing has to rent a facility. It's, it just seems like there's not going to be a lot of opportunity for the other manufacturers to do it unless they block off a certain amount of road in maybe one of the western states like uh, I think Koenigsegg has done this in the past where they achieved like 270 plus on some desolate stretch of highway out in the desert you know they 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 sealed it off but the problem is and I guess well maybe the same with the uh, the Aralesson track is that um you know you get a deer that runs across at that type of speed, or you get a dog that runs onto the track, or, I mean, you know, a a pig or a cow or whatever, you know, wanders out onto the road, you're in trouble. I mean, that's that's about it for or you. Or like I, a, a I, stone or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> stone. Or, yeah, exactly right. Or uh, You have to have a controlled environment to exactly. feel confident. Exactly, and, and Aerolesson is, is generally a controlled environment, and mm-hmm. and I'll tell you a couple things about this, and, and then we'll move on, I promise, but... Um, Bugatti is saying, you know what, now that we've broken 304 miles per hour, or almost 305, we're done. The the crazy thing about this is that at these types of speeds, Aerolesson is only smooth enough to run in one direction, to run 304 miles per hour. If you, now, if you look at that track, it's a beautiful track. I mean, it looks like the perfect piece of asphalt. It looks like it's incredible, like well-groomed, well-maintained, everything. But apparently, at that type of speed... There's just no way that you're able to run that type of speed coming back the other direction. Now, I don't think that has anything to do with, like, the airspeed or, you know, direction or anything like that. But uh, they said that it's just not safe to be able to do that. And wow. there, there are certain governing bodies that say that here's the way you get a world record for a full-speed run. And it's typically two runs. It's one in each direction. You know, and I think we talked about this with the thrust SSC, mm-hmm. is that you have to run one direction turn around and come back the other direction in, in less than an hour, and it's the average of those two speeds. Crazy enough, but they said, you know what, we've we've broken 304, we're fine with that, we're happy. They will always be in the record book as the first one to break that record, yeah. and finally I'm getting to what I wanted to say, I guess, about this car. You know, we said that it was modified, that it was, you know, strength, it was uh, lengthened rather, about a foot, so it has this elongated body look, it has kind of like a, um, a long tail look to it. Um, it has... 
It lowered suspension. It has holes drilled in the fenders in order to increase airflow so that, you know, the lift is reduced in some way. When the driver, I think his name is Andy Wallace, I'm, I'm, I'm stretching my memory here, and Andy Wallace incrementally took the car up 50, uh, I think it was 50 kilometers per hour on several, several runs in order to, like, determine whether or not the car was balanced correctly if it was able to maintain the downward force that it needed. So it wasn't, like, feeling like it was going to lift. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as you start getting faster and faster and faster, you just don't know how the car is going to handle, how it's going to react. But it took many, many runs to get there. It wasn't something that was done easily. Now, uh, maybe one of the most interesting facts about this whole thing, and, and I'll, I'll leave it at this, the tires on the car. We talked about tires on the Thrust SSC and how, like, they yeah. can't really have rubber tires. Yeah. Uh, this car does have rubber tires, obviously, and it's on a, a tarmac has to have rubber tires, and in order to have tires that can handle that type of G-force, that type of heat and uh, just the rotational speed, be able to handle that without breaking apart, mm-hmm. they made these tires especially for this car, and uh, shoot, I wish I had the uh, the manufacturer in front of me now, right now, I don't, but it was they were made by somebody that um, created these tires specifically for this one run, and the weird thing about this is, now imagine this, these, these tires cost... $30,000 per set, 30000 per set um, before they were applied to the car, just in order to check the integrity of them, in order to check to make sure that, you know, the manufacturing process was correct for, for them. They x-rayed the tires before they put them on the car to make sure that, like, everything was exactly like no right. There were zero defects in those tires before they put them on the car. Now, can you imagine the attention to detail that that doubt, takes. You know, like when they were making holes in the car, they probably didn't just drill them anywhere. They, <laughs> you know, it's like they, I'm sure it was a very well thought out plan. No, absolutely. Aspect, you've got, it has you, to be. Yeah, you've got, abs, you've got, you've got Bugatti engineers saying, all right, here we've got this, uh, this car, the Chiron car, right? And, and yeah. it's capable of zero to 60 and, I don't know, two seconds or whatever it is, 2.6 seconds, something like that. And it's already this incredible world-beating supercar. It's, you know, made with a lot of carbon fiber. It's it's, it's just an incredible vehicle. It's already $3 million. Let's make one that's even better. Let's make one that's even, uh, that tops that. And how are we going to do that? So it, it lets you know that, the you know, the uh, the engineers, the, the the people that are putting this thing together are, re- that, that's the mindset of them. They, they want to like just push the envelope. They want to go faster. They want to go farther. And that's what really is, is interesting about this is that like they are really, really pushing the boundaries of this whole thing. Yeah. And, and I love what they're doing with it. I think it's just really fascinating. Yeah. Um, but, but it, to go as far as like, you know, once you start reading about things like where they're x-raying the tires before they put them on, uh, that type of thing to me is just it, ultimately fascinating. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And I would love to know, um, you know, who even dreams up this type of thing? You know, like who says, you know, you know what? I, I never, personally, I would never even think of that. I would think like, okay, we got this $30,000 <laughs> set of tires. Great. Let's put them on the car. Yeah, they've you know, got I mean, to be the best. They must be the best. You know, I know that they manufactured them perfectly, but, you know, someone was saying, no, you know, we've got to check them. Yeah, and, and that's a, going back to the, the sad news you spoke about at the beginning of this segment. Yeah. When you see the numbers and you see, you, you read the article and you look at the car, you forget about the inherent danger in, in this pursuit. These people that do this are sure. in constant danger while they're doing it. And oh. the tires are, that. that's what hits the road. That's where it all begins. Oh, so absolutely. And I would you, imagine that, 
that's in their mind too, you know, just thinking about mitigating disaster for, of course, for the yeah. human being that's uh, that's doing this. You know, I'm sure that when they were when they were doing all this, they're thinking like, okay, how are we going to keep Andy Wallace alive? Sure, because I mean, you know we don't want a... we don't want Andy Wallace to die as he's doing this uh, as he's creating this record. Yeah, I mean that would be the worst news ever. Like that's the, that's the worst PR ever. Right. And I get that. And it's not just you know about PR. It's it's about the person. You know they want to make sure that the person is safe. Of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. I mean I think that the people have a genuine appreciation for the people that that put their lives at stake in order to do this kind of thing and to push the limit and to kind of it, it makes everybody. Uh, it makes everything, I guess, a little bit better. And uh, you know what? I, I feel like we've we've kind of gone off track, but there was so much news happening this weekend, and I just felt like we needed to talk about it. We should probably get into our list, which is uh, going to be the most powerful sedans under $50,000, and we'll get to that very soon right after this break. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back, and you're listening to the Fast Track, and I'm your host, Scott Benjamin, and today I'm joined by my special guest, uh, Kurt, who is my producer, really. And uh, you've decided to step behind the mic with me today yeah. in order to kind of ease things along a little bit, have a conversation, because I think that's a, a much better way to talk about these things. And uh, we both have a little bit of experience with sedans, and well, I don't know, I, I, I'm probably more interested in sedans than you are, I would guess. <laughs> I, I think you've got a sedan right now, right? Yeah. Okay, well, what do you have? Uh, it's a Toyota Corolla, 2013. Oh. Well, what's your general impression? And be brutally honest here okay. with me. You're, you're, you've got a Toyota Corolla. Yeah. What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? You don't have to go in too in depth because I've got things about my car that I like and I don't like. Oh yeah, and real simple, real well. simple. Okay, uh, so reliability. Mm-hmm. It's got it's, it's pretty spacious inside. Yeah. Um, that said, the design is kind of standard. 
kind of a, a plain Jane sure. type type design. And it's it's a mode of transportation. It's an A to B car. And nothing more. It's an A to B car and uh, it's reliable. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know what I've heard this called, Kurt, many times? It's called a bread and butter wagon. It's like just the the reliable car that you can count on every day to start, get yourself to work, get yourself to school, get yourself wherever you have to go, and then get home safely and, uh, and really no frills. Not not a lot of frills. There yeah. are some cars, that, there's some sedans that do have some frills. Uh, we'll talk about those too because there are some expensive sedans that we'll talk about. I'll tell you what I think we what I think we like about sedans because I made a short list here, and uh, we're going to get to our our list of uh, the fastest sedans under fifty thousand dollars in just a moment. I, I promise you, and I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time on a lot of details about these cars. Just kind of a general quick thing because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways you can break down the sedan lists. Uh, what I think we like about sedans in general, why people like them, is because uh, first, I guess maybe, and not in any order really here, uh, there's economy. They, mm-hmm. I think they're they're much more fuel efficient than maybe a big SUV or a truck or something like that. They're a little bit sleeker. They're kind of a little more aerodynamic, a little more fuel efficient. If you want to take a long trip in them, they seem like they're fairly comfortable, that yep. type of thing. So comfort is another thing, you know, that people tend to appreciate about, about sedans. And I appreciate that about mine is that it's definitely a comfortable drive. Uh, I really like taking long, long trips in my Volkswagen. And uh, it's just simple transportation that gets decent mileage, and I, re- I really like that a lot. Performance, we're going to talk about some performance today, of course. But uh, I don't know. That's, that's kind of a uh, 50-50 thing. Some people yeah. buy performance sedans. Some people buy just sedans that are just like like yours that are more like um, just A to B type cars. Mm-hmm. And uh, mine is kind of in between. It's not really one or the other. It's not even a luxury sedan. It's kind of like it's, I don't know, sub-luxury. I don't know what you want to call it. It's got a lot of features that I think are really cool, but it could have many, many more if it was maybe a Jaguar or something like that. Um, Security is another thing, of course, that people like because uh, you're able to lock your valuables into a trunk, which uh, a lot of cars don't have trunks. If you look at a hatchback, doesn't have a trunk. Mm-hmm. A lot of sports cars are are uh, fastback designs, or, or you know, um, hatchbacks, or maybe they don't even have a trunk. So you have your valuables right out in the open. So a lot of people like the security of having uh, a trunk to be able to lock things up in. Uh, safety is another thing, and, uh, and I want to point this out because a lot of people have kind of moved over to SUVs, and that's what their thing is. Like that's their wheelhouse right now. But I would say that uh, there's a lot less rollover possibility with a sedan because it's a lower center of gravity. It's a little bit more dependable if you're trying to, and I say dependable, I guess maybe a little bit more uh, flexible as far as like maneuverability, you know, being able to uh, make a left, right turn real quick on the highway if you have to, or if a tire blows out or, you know, whatever happens to be the case. It's a little bit more stable than an SUV might be because it's a lot lower to the ground. I know that comes with uh, some obstacles for a lot of people, you know, just not being able to see as well or whatever. But I would say that safety is one of the the factors. And, of course, these are loaded with safety features. I mean, all the mandated stuff, you know, the ABS and the stability control and all that. But but they're loaded with um, the lane detection software where, you know, like if you go into the other lane, like it, it kind of brings you back or it uh, it vibrates a little bit, the steering wheel. Like a driver so assist type yeah. thing. Oh, exactly yeah. right. There's a lot of that going on. And there's, it's so great. It's surprisingly agile. Um, there's a lot of practicality to them. I mean, you could have five passengers in these things. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the four doors allow people to get in and out very quickly. If you have kids, it's very helpful, you know, to be able to get people in and out or a dog or, you know, whatever the case happens to be. I just think that in general... Sedans have made a lot of improvements over the last maybe 30 years. They've made some incredible leaps and bounds, and uh, and a couple of them that I think we should talk about. And the reason I picked 50000 
and I, I think I've mentioned this in the past, is that the Kelly Blue Book price for an average automobile is around $37,285, which to me sounds ridiculously high. I'm, I'm a used car guy. I buy cars that are at the most, uh, at the at the youngest, two years old, that have been like maybe like lease returns. They've got about 30,000 miles on them. It's, I find that's kind of like the sweet spot. Uh, the price, 37285 for a brand new car. I mean, I get it. And it grows every year by about three, maybe four percent. And this is indeed up about 3.1% up from about, uh, what is it, 2018. So it's definitely growing and growing. We're going to get to a $40,000 average U.S. car price very soon. Mm-hmm. It won't take very long. Uh, but anyways, I picked the $50,000 mark because it's just a, it's a good price point because there are a lot of cars out there that are loaded with practicality, with performance. It seems like there's, you know, more expensive sedans out there. There are less expensive sedans out there. This is kind of like the middle of the road. This is where if you're going to buy a car for the average price, this is about where you want to be. And, uh, and the first car on our list here is the Subaru WRX STI. Just a, just on a gut feeling, like what do you think about the Subaru WRX STI? Because I've got my own feeling about them, what I see or what I think about them when I see them on the road. Yeah, Subaru seem to take a lot of different aspects into account mm-hmm. uh, creating their cars. But this particular one reminds me of the rally cars of the yeah. late 90s, early 2000s. Absolutely. Like Colin that, that sort of thing. A- absolutely. And you know what? The funny thing is, like, the design has changed so much now. It's a lot different vehicle. But sure. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's that blue car mm-hmm. with the gold uh, the gold trim. And they sound very much the same. They still yep. sound like, you know, that, that incredible Boxster engine that they have. Uh, this one happens to have a 2.5-liter turbo four-cylinder engine that delivers around 305 horsepower and about 290 pound-feet of torque. But I'll tell you, like, on the road, this car, it's stunning. It's a very beautiful car. It's really cool. It still has enough, I guess, I guess, outward design aspects that make it look really interesting. It's not very plain. It's It's got a lot of, like, little, there are little vents here and there. There's still a wing on the car. There's still some side skirts and things like that. It's mm-hmm. It's got enough design elements that make it look intriguing to me. And the yeah. price point on it is is well below our $50,000 point, which I was surprised by because, uh, it's, yeah. It's definitely in the pocket. Yeah, they make cars that last a long, long time. And yeah. and these cars are very, very durable. And you would think that it would be priced, you know, right up near the $50,000 mark, but it comes in way, way under. It's just under $35,000. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a very, um, if you want to put it this way, it's a very affordable car. That's still under the average uh, U.S. car price, so not bad, really. Um, moving on, we're going to talk about the Cadillac ATS sedan. Now, <laughs> I, I don't think there's any surprise here uh, when we say that maybe it's a little bit long in the tooth. Yeah. The design. Yeah. I mean, when when I think of Cadillac, sure. you know, I think of fins. Oh, you think, think of the of old, Cadillac. old Cadillacs. Yeah. Well, they it seemed like they were always at the forefront of design, even through the 70s. You know, they had sure. beautiful, long cars. Oh, sure. The they time. were lu- luxurious and, and beautiful. Yeah. And now... Maybe they're struggling to advance past like the the look of that. It's kind sure. of tired. I'll, I'll be honest. I've, I've that's kind just of where I'm coming from. Well, sure. I, I've kind of lost track of where Cadillac is because it seems like all the cars are very, very similar they at are. this point. And and I know that's going to make a lot of people mad. There's you know the electric version. There's the ATS, the CTS. You know there's the CTS V, and there's a lot of different really interesting Cadillacs. And if we were to do a show all about Cadillac, I would probably fall in love with the brand again because I really was 
in love with the brand. My, my grandfather drove Cadillacs all his life, really. I mean, pretty much all his life, all of his adult life. And they were always like the big, long, beautiful cars and, you know, like luxurious. And they weren't fast. They weren't, uh, you know, anything like sporty or anything like that. But I remember taking long, long road trips in those cars mm-hmm. uh, with my grandparents. And it was just luxurious and it was fun. And it was like, it's like so you're sitting in a, in a, in a great big um, couch in the back seat. Now, of course, these sedans, I mean, this is interesting because, you know, there, there are six-speed manuals and there's eight-speed automatics and, you know, they're powered by, you know, 3.6-liter tuned V6 engines that have 335 horsepower. They're very strong. It's a small, lightweight car relatively compared to what Cadillac used to be. They have, you know, of course, magnetic ride control and all kinds of interesting features. So they're, they're quick and they're, they're, they're interesting vehicles, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But stylistically, I've lost all comprehension of, of the difference in every different type of Cadillac that there is out there. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, they I'm, just look the same as they have. Like the STS, they stopped making it in 2011. Yeah. It was a four-door car. But they started making it in 2005 or four. Yeah. This design carries that same badge. It's just I, that's I know. a long it, time to keep that. You know, I, <laughs> I mean, I, it's, a little, it's a little more refined. But Cadillac move past it. seems it. like they're at the point where they need to do something dramatically different. Otherwise, yeah. people just aren't going to pay attention. And I think maybe, like, uh, the slab side design and everything, it's it's great. It was, it was really interesting to begin with. But they just haven't done anything with it for a long, long yeah. time. And I think they need to move on. And I wish they would. I mean, I know there are other luxury brands out there that are doing some exciting things. You know, Mercedes and, gosh, some of the other higher, manufa- like, more um, expensive manufacturers. Uh, that have more dramatic, better designs, I think. Yeah. And if Cadillac could kind of do something different at this point, I think it would benefit them. Yeah. I, I think they're they're still making fantastic cars. Yeah, sure. They really are good cars. It's just a matter of, like, getting past that point when they when they release a new model. I can't tell the difference between the, the previous model and this model. Yeah. And there's very, very little difference. I know that Cadillac can do this, and I know that Cadillac will be back with something exciting and new, and it, it will happen. Mm-hmm. It's just, it seems like people are kind of ignoring the brand, and I, I wish it wasn't happening that way, but yeah. it really is. Yep. Uh, next car on the list here is the Audi S4. And the Audi S4, uh, this is a 3-liter twin-turbocharged V6, and I think in the past it had a V8. Uh, it had a big V8. Uh, they've gone down to a V6, and again, twin turbochargers on, on a V6, still has 333 horsepower and 325 pound-feet of torque. Of course, that has the uh, the all-wheel drive Quattro system. And I'm familiar with the Quattro system um, only many, many years ago. Remember I told you early on in this podcast that I had a 99 A4. Yeah. And I loved, loved that car. It was <laughs> so fun to drive. I had it in Michigan, and uh, I was able to drive it through any depth of snow that you could throw in front of me. Really? It was just unbelievable. The car would not give up. It was an incredible system, even back then. And then we're talking about uh, 20 years ago. This is a 20-year-old car at this point. I would drive it on gravel roads. I would try to make the thing slide, you know, around corners. I'd I'd love to to take it out onto, like, back country roads that were gravel Mm -hmm. and try to just, like, push the limit of it and probably dangerous now that I look back at, you know, what I was doing because all the trees around and, and lakes and all that kind of stuff, but so much fun. And honestly, like that car held the ground so steadfastly that it was really difficult in order to make it slide if I wanted to. I mean, it was fun when I did get it to, and I could, I could push it in the snow and make it really do, you know, some <laughs> dramatic moves, but it was so much fun. It was so solid, so dependable. 
And so it just, it just felt so right to drive, I guess, in the manual form, even in the rain. Like, you wouldn't believe the confidence that that car gives you in the rain versus, like, when you get behind the wheel of another car that doesn't have the Quattro system. And I, I didn't think that I would ever be somebody that was like that, that would say, I can completely tell the difference between this yeah. car and that car. But, but in the rain, even, like, I could tell the grip of that car was so much tighter than any other car that I'd ever driven at that point. It was just, it was an unbelievable car. I loved it, and uh, and I wish I had it back. It was, it did get to be very expensive uh, toward the end, and it wasn't expensive to buy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the price point that we're talking here, because this one is just under the uh, the $50,000 mark. It's around $49,200 for <laughs> the brand new version of this. Yeah, I feel um, like a few of these kind of cheat that price point a little bit, uh, just to fall mine, in this category. Mine, <laughs> mine was not that expensive, I'll tell you that. It was it was half of this, you know, le- less than half of this, actually, as a matter of fact, um, at the time. And, and I was super proud of it, too, because, you know, it was like the first, I guess, maybe the first real car that I owned. You know, it wasn't like, uh, you know, the uh, the car that I picked up off the, the used car lot that was really crappy and lousy and everything. This was like the first one they allowed me to drive home overnight and really kind of check out. And, you know, it was it was it felt like a real car purchase at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Um, just something different about that car, and I, and I loved it, and I wish I could go back to it. But uh, the next car on the list, the this is kind of unbelievable. There's a Jaguar on the list. Yep. yep. Um, the Jaguar XE35T, and uh, this is kind of a, an interesting entry here. The prices start around $42,695. It is a supercharged engine, a supercharged 3-liter wow. engine uh, with, a, with a V6, around 340 horsepower, and about 332 pound-feet of torque. So it's a very strong car. And the other thing is that, you know, Jaguar is a well-known luxury brand, which makes it kind of interesting that it's on this list. I mean... Is this their entry-level? I mean, not entry-level, but is this their it has most to be. inexpensive model? Yeah, it, it has to be, because I know that there are many other Jaguars out there that, you know, are well, well up toward the $100,000 mark, above that yeah. maybe even. Um, I've seen a bunch of them on the road recently, and I know that the, some of them are are very, very expensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, you, you can expect to pay $100,000 for a Jaguar that, you know, is at the top end of the, the lineup. But for this one to get in at 42000 and and to still be able to drive a Jaguar, not bad. I know they had some reliability issues in the past, uh, but I think that's, uh, that's taken care of for the most part. I mean, it used to be that a uh, long, long time ago they would say, um, you know, if you're going to buy a Jaguar, buy two. You know, one, <laughs> one for when it's in the shop. The it other, goes you know, for any just, British car. Just trade right? them, yeah. It, well, exactly. That's any British car. You're right. You're absolutely well, right. Well, I mean, now, nowadays, I think they're... That's a little better, yeah. yeah. It's a little better now. And I think that, you know, when Ford took over Jaguar for a short time, and I want to say that was in the 1990s, I believe, um, some of the reliability issues went away. And now Ford does not own Jaguar anymore, but the reliability is still there. And I think that they're definitely on track to be a, a much more reliable vehicle. But yeah. To be able to get into one for $42,000, I mean, I know it still sounds like a lot of money, but a brand new Jaguar for that price is not bad at all. And you can imagine that it's loaded with a lot of luxury features. Yeah. And you know what? We're making some pretty good progress on this list, so let's, uh, let's take another break here, if you don't mind. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. And we're back, and you're listening to the Fast Track, and I'm your host, Scott Benjamin, and I'm joined with my special guest, uh, Kurt. Kurt is my producer, and uh, we've been talking about sedans, and I think we're well into our list at this point. Um, There's been a couple of maybe, I don't know about surprises so far, but there have been a few that... I don't know, just a little, um, you wouldn't expect them on this list, maybe. Like the Jaguar, I think, was one. And uh, there's a few more that are coming up that I think you might be surprised by. The next one on our list here, which is uh, a list of the fastest sedans under $50,000, is the uh, the Ford Fusion Sport. And this may be the, the first true sleeper car on the list. Might be. But uh, it's, you know, Ford Fusion? That's, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't expect that, right? That's, this is a fairly common car, right? I mean, it, it's something that you yeah. see on the road quite a bit. It is, however, and this is hard to believe, this is Ford's quickest sedan ever. They uh, Maybe not ever, but Ford's quickest sedan currently, I should mm-hmm. say that. 325 horsepower wow. in the sedan, which I had no idea. I, I had no idea. I thought this car was like a, a 200 horsepower, uh, just nondescript vehicle that you see every yeah. day in the, the parking yeah. lot. You know, uh, very strange. It has 325 horsepower, 380 pound-feet of torque. What what are people doing with that much torque in a Ford Fusion sedan? Are they are they pulling stumps out in their yard or what? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It seems like that's an awful lot of torque for a car like this. And and, and what's funny is like it uses the same 2.7 liter turbocharged V6 that the F150 use, as well as the Edge Sport. So much bigger mm. vehicles. Uh, they have stuffed it into this little uh, Ford Fusion Sport and. Again, the sport model. Maybe that's the uh, that's the key there. We yeah. see probably a lot of Ford Fusions out there, but not a lot of Ford Fusion sport cars out there. All wheel drive. I didn't know that either. I had no idea that they were all wheel drive. Six speed automatic gearbox, which is I, I guess fine. That's that's all right. That's what it seems like a lot of manufacturers are doing at this point. But prices, if you want to talk about price, it's, it's still well below the fifty thousand dollar mark. In fact, it's below. Even this the, is the lowest. Is this the lowest? It, I think yeah. so. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it might be. $33,475. So you're talking less than $34,000 for a, a pretty strong vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right. I hesitate to call it sleeper. 
Because I, I want to say that like sleeper is more reserved for cars that are just ridiculously <laughs> overpowered. This one has a lot of power. Okay. Okay. I get it. Uh, but it seems like we could argue this all day, I think, Kurt. But yeah. um, it seems to me like when you get up to like the 500 horsepower, 600 horsepower in a sedan, that's where you get to kind of the sleeper. But then again... A lot of those cars look fast. All right, so we're getting to uh, a little bit higher in the uh, in the price point here with the BMW, and uh, you could probably expect this, but the BMW 340i. It's got a three-liter twin-turbocharged inline six-cylinder, 320 horsepower, and about 332 pound-feet of torque. You know what's funny? Look at this one. Look at the numbers on this one. Far well, not far below, but below what the Ford Fusion Sport provides, yeah. which is crazy. It's crazy. It is crazy, <laughs> and the price is a little bit more. So we're talking about a car that starts around. $45,800, and you yep. know that when you start adding features to that car, uh, the price only goes up. Now, the next one, oh, this one, this one is probably, this one gets my vote as the best okay. sleeper on the, okay. on the list. And I've we've talked about this car a few times on car stuff, and, and uh, uh, the Chevrolet SS. And I think that maybe this is probably the one that I, I would pick because it just doesn't look like much of anything when it's on the road. It really does. And the thing is, <laughs> It has a 6.2-liter V8 that makes 415 horsepower and about 415 pound-feet of torque. Extremely strong, but also it puts all this power through a 6-speed manual transmission or a 6-speed automatic transmission. And, of course, rear-wheel drive only. It's not all-wheel drive or anything like that, so it's a little bit different. But a 6-speed manual, I think that's pretty cool for a sedan, you know, on our list here. Uh, Only a couple have that at this point. But I do feel like... This one is one of those cars that you don't think much of it when it's on the road. If you're next to one and you see one really using all that power, you know, somebody who really, really pushes it, mm-hmm. it's impressive. Yeah. And I have. I've, I've seen this. And I, I know that uh, you've probably seen the Pontiac G8. You yeah. remember the, the old Pontiacs? The Pontiac's gone, of course, mm-hmm. you know, years ago. Uh, but the G8 sedan that they had and, of course, the GTO uh, mm-hmm. that we've we've talked about it in the past and car stuff. Both of those cars, extremely fast, kind of surprising fast. The overall looks of the Chevy SS just don't, they belie what's underneath, really. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't think that there would be that strong of a V8 engine underneath this this car. And it's just, a, it's, it's a really cool package. I would I would love to be able to drive one. The price on them, however, is $47,000. Right. There's, there's 47,000 reasons why I can't get that car. <laughs> yeah. You know what would be really cool? And I know that, uh, okay, this is uh, branching off from this, and we'll get to the end of our list here real quick. But I know that uh, um, Ford and uh, a lot of car manufacturers right now, surprisingly enough, that are stopping automobile production and they're just doing they're focusing on SUVs they're focusing on trucks they're focusing on just sports cars maybe so Ford is one where they're just going to build the uh, the Mustang and that's it they're going to stop all other car production mm-hmm. so if they were to continue to build the Ford Fusion and stuff the Mustang engine into that car mm-hmm. and it just is like a special edition you know maybe they make uh, 10,000 of them or whatever it would be. It'd be a high number because it's Ford. You know, it wouldn't be like 500 or something like a boutique manufacturer. But imagine if they were to stuff that engine into the Ford Fusion, kind of like, you know, of course, Chevy's doing that with, well, the 6.2 liter, that's, that's a, a version, a derivative of the Corvette engine. So if, if it'd be kind of the same thing to be able to do that kind of thing. Now, I know the price would go up dramatically on the Fusion, but that would be kind of fun to have them in a little bit of a horsepower war. Okay, there are three cars on our list, and let's kind of buzz through them kind of quickly here. Uh, the Mercedes AMG CLA 45 
Formatic. That's a, now that's a long name. I that's hope a they don't lot. Try, hope they don't try to put that all on the back of the car because uh, that <laughs> they'll put it a, in different places on the back. It'll all be there. Just it's going to wrap out. <laughs> it's going to wrap around the car. Um, but the output for this car is something like 375 horsepower and 332 pound feet of torque. So that's uh, there's more power than a BMW M2, which is pretty strong. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty good point to begin at. Now it has a seven speed dual clutch transmission, which is I believe automatic. All four wheels are powered, so it's an all wheel drive, which is impressive. All right, so if you want to get into a Mercedes on this list, uh, you're going to you're gonna pay almost exactly the maximum price on this list, which is uh, uh, $49,500. Now, we're getting to the very, very end of our list here, and I'll tell you, I want to skip what is uh, number two on this list and go to number one and then come back to number two, and there's a reason, because I have a question for our listeners uh, when we get to this point. But going to number one on the list, this is the Infiniti Q50 Red Sport 400, and uh, this one's a little tricky because... The, the Red Sport 400 model starts around $48,855 for the rear-wheel drive model. If you want to go with the all-wheel drive model, it does push it over the $50,000 mark. Just barely, though. Uh, it's around $50,855. Uh, so, th- again, that's for the all-wheel drive version. The Red Sport 400, uh, as you can imagine, stands for 400 horsepower and about 350 pound-feet of torque. has an adaptive suspension. It has all kinds of you know luxury features, as you can imagine, with an Infiniti. Um, Seven-speed automatic transmission. I, I hate to include this one because it it does go over the threshold. But again, if you just want the rear-wheel drive version, does keep it underneath at forty-eight eight fifty-five. But an interesting-looking vehicle. It's not necessarily the the best-looking vehicle on this list. I don't think. Just my own personal opinion. I mean, I know a lot of people yeah, have the their looks own, of it, it. You know, gut I've feeling. I've never been a huge fan of Infinity's look. Yeah, but, they're, but they are staying true to their their thing, which is admirable, and like, a lot of people out there love it. Seems like refined luxury, of course. You know, it's it's very uh, luxurious. It's very uh, it is sporty, but um, again, it's tempered. You know, it's it's not like yeah. they've gone overboard with it. And there's some Infinity models that I think are uh, a little sportier looking, mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. course. And people do things to their car to make them look sportier. You know, lower them and different wheels and that kind of thing, and make them look really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, I think it's mostly like a luxury brand at this point. Now, I, this is the one that was it came in at number two on the list, and, and it's the last one that we're going to cover. Um, this is the Dodge Charger RT Scat Pack. Now, the reason we're talking about the Scat Pack version is because this one does fall underneath the $50,000 mark. Now, if you want to buy a Dodge Charger right now, they range dramatically in price. They go from something like $26,000, where you have the, like the base version with the V6, and it's not terribly strong. It's still strong. Uh, maybe, you know, I'm going to ballpark this. I, I don't even have a note in front of me, but 300 horsepower, something like that, up to about $66,000 for the Hellcat version of this vehicle. Now, we're not talking about the Hellcat. Uh, of course, that's the one that everybody wants, you know, and the, the uh, 707 horsepower. It's, it's an incredible vehicle. It really is. But for under $50,000, if you want to go to, if you want to call it reasonable, 39000 $995, so just under $40,000, so well underneath our, our $50,000 threshold, you can get a 6.4-liter Hemi V8, which has around 485 horsepower, 475 pound-feet of torque, and has an 8-speed automatic transmission. I see these on the road all the time around here in Atlanta. There's a ton of these uh, Scat Pack chargers. I followed one just the other day on the road, um, not that I was being creepy or anything. I mean, I was just <laughs> following it on the road. It was in front of me. Had um, a license plate that was, uh, you know, a specialty plate said Scat Pack. 
on it, okay. which is kind of cool. It was yeah. blue. Uh, looked like the tires were like a foot wide on every corner. It was amazing looking. It, was, it looked like it, and, and I know it hadn't. It just, it looks like it's been lowered. It sounded incredible. It's got that light bar that goes across the full back end of the vehicle, mm-hmm. which is really distinctive, and, mm-hmm. and you can just, you can spot that car a mile away. Really, you can. It just sounds incredible. It looks incredible. Dodge has an, uh, an amazing lineup right now, and it, we're, we're at the end of our list here, and I want to ask our listeners this, and I've been watching this for a long time, and I, I think they have too. Dodge has been incrementally creeping up and up and up in horsepower, and I know the prices are coming up, and, you know, they're offering these these crazy engines and these Hellcats and the red-eye Hellcats and, you know, the uh, the performance versions of these cars. Now, I know there are some that are drag strip only or track only type cars, but I'm talking about street cars. Uh, this is my question to you, li- the listener. When do you believe that we're going to see a major manufacturer create a car that is affordable but has a 1,000-horsepower engine? You know, a V8 engine that's 1,000 horsepower, or they go to, maybe they go to a V10 engine. You know, they might take that old, you know, that old V10 from the Viper that they had and repurpose that in the Dodge uh, Charger, rather. So we're talking about a sedan, and I don't mean a Challenger, you know, two-door coupe or a a sports car or something. It seems to me that that's, that's very doable. But and define w- affordable for the listener. Affordable, would you, gosh. Um, would you say under 50 or? No, I'm not no. even going to say under 50 because, yeah, you know, we're already at 66000 for a an a 707 horsepower Hellcat version of the Charger. Yeah. So as far as affordable, I, I know it's all relative here, but let's say that it's still under, <laughs> and I, I don't want to <laughs> say affordable. Oh, let's, yeah. say, let's say $90,000, yeah. but 1,000 horsepower, and it has to be a sedan. When do you think that's going to happen? Because I feel like, I feel like Dodge is going to do that, and once it does that, it's just going to drop the mic and be done. It's, it's, it's like, you know, once we've achieved 1,000, Let's move on. It's like on. their Bugatti, three hundred mile per hour. Yes, exactly. Like I'm, I, you know what? We've done it. No one else is going to be able to do that again. We're done. Let's move on, and and we'll still make great looking cars, but you know we're going to make them a little bit more affordable, and you know maybe they're only maybe they're only going to have eight hundred and eighteen horsepower mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, some crazy number. It, which is just ridiculous. But I mean, we're talking about a seven hundred and seven horsepower car, and it's growing and growing and growing. So. A thousand horsepower doesn't seem to me like it's that far off. Maybe, uh, and if I had to put a, a guess on this, I'm going to guess like five years, because they're going to want to grow it incrementally and slower. You know, just slowly, slowly yeah, build, build the uh, anticipation. Yeah, a little tension, yeah, right? Yeah. And and no other manufacturer seems to be keeping up. I mean, they're they're close, but they're not they're not trying. They're not in this like back and forth war with Dodge, and I feel like Dodge is in its own place right now, and I feel like that's what's going on. So yep. we got our list out. I, I did, however, neglect to get into you know the most um, expensive luxury cars, the uh, sedans rather, the fastest sedans, you know, the fastest cars for the money, that kind of thing. We'll get to that. I think we'll we'll do it in another episode if that's all right. But I have I've I've truly enjoyed having you here with me today, and I've, I've well, I really, appreciate you having me here. It's oh, been it's been a blast. It's been fun. It really has, and and I'm I'm so happy that you've been able to uh, to sit in on this one because I, I don't know how you feel about the sidekick thing. Yeah. Um, well, there you know there's some great sidekicks out there. Oh yeah. Know? Like I look at myself as maybe like a Garth Algar type or like a like Samwise Gamgee. What about Jesse Pinkman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't say, but yeah. you didn't say bitch every other yeah, word. Right. <laughs> but but no. 
honestly, like some of the sidekicks, I think, um, and I don't mean to like downplay your role here by saying you're a sidekick. And I'm just so happy to be able to have you behind the mic with me for once. It's, yeah, it's, it's been, been a fun. lot of fun. It's been fun. And, uh, me too. And, all right. So if you want to contact us on uh, on social media, there's a couple of different ways to do that. And we are on Facebook and on Instagram where we are the Fast Track Show. And if you want to go to Twitter, we are the Fast Track Pod. And, of course, we have a website. It's a brand-new website, actually, where we are the FastTrackShow.com. And uh, you can check out all of our uh, previous shows there. And it's only going to grow from this point forward. We're going to have some more uh, shows to add to that every single week. And if you like what you hear, you can uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or even on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And definitely, you know, tell your friends to, you know, to say that, uh, you know, you like what you heard on the Fast Track show and you want to you check it out or, um, you know, maybe listen to it at the shop or, you know, whatever, just out loud, you know, where, where other people can be exposed to it and, and get, um, you know, some valuable information, I hope. And uh, again, we just, uh, we appreciate it and thank you for listening. The Fast Track is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.